1: This episode of Gators Breakdown is brought to you by MyBookie. Hey, the Super Bowl is coming up. Make your first deposit today at MyBookie.ag. Use promo code Gators. Wager your deposit amount once, and you're eligible to cash out. Cash in, cash out quick at MyBookie. Want more Gators Breakdown?
2: Join Gators Breakdown Plus,
1: starting at three dollars a month. because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Coming at you at this final stage of National Signing Day recruiting for the 2023 class. All the high school guys are in. Transfer guys are in. I won't say all the transfer guys are in because hey, Will, there's some there's some roster spots left. Uh, we'll we'll see what happens with with uh, roster spots in the spring portal uh when, when that opens up after spring practice. But uh, hey, look, this for most of most of the teams out there, it's done. This was pretty much the kind of the culmination of the class of 2023. I am joined by Will Miles. You can find him at readingreaction.com on Twitter at Will Miles S-E-C. Well, the class uh, class ended up falling the 14th <laughs> when you want to go by rankings. That's kind of the headline there. We'll get into what Billy Napier had to say uh, on the Jaden Rashada saga. Uh, I think we're all ready to turn the page there, but this is the first time. Look, he didn't say much. Well, will, we'll get with that. Uh, I'll just kind of read what he said. I'm, I'm going to save the three minutes that Florida allows me to use from Billy Napier on players that are actually coming to Florida. <laughs> but, uh, uh, well, there's – there's hey, there's a lot to discuss here, but uh, when you look at what most people are interested in, uh, this is not counting transfers, of course, we'll get into that too, but just high school recruiting right now, the Gators, and look, we know it's not good enough, uh, we'll get into a lot of this, but 14th on the 24-7 sports final recruiting rankings and 11th on On3 yeah
0: well first of all congratulations to the ncaa for completely ruining what used to be an awesome holiday <laughs> yes. and a day that like i would consider taking off from work just so i could watch the faxes come in and i can remember in grad school when urban meyer was bringing in that 2006 class with uh with tebow and harvin and waiting with bated breath for those faxes to come in and have that be updated and now they do it a week before christmas like at the same time as like the cheese it bowl or or whatever's going on i the timing on this I get it. Maybe it's better for the athletes to be able to do it earlier. But, man, like you think about the way the NFL does stuff in the offseason, right, where it's just boom, 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 like the season ends. And then the next week, there's something else. The next week, there's something else. The next week, there's something else. All of a sudden, you got the draft. And then after the draft, you got preseason camps and rookie camps and all that stuff. And it's just a year round sport. I can't figure out how this sport that seems to do such a great job of driving revenue in all these different ways thought this was a good idea. I just, it was so anticlimactic today. This is a day I used to love. And now it's one of those things where you're like, eh, okay. We got a guy signed here, a five-star signed with South Carolina. But other than that, they're just, you know, everybody was already where they were at. So there hasn't been a whole lot of movement. Um, Like you said, Florida drops to 14th from 13th. But, you know, again, if we're going to criticize somebody for one spot, I think that's probably short-sighted question. The question is, you know, 14th versus third, which is where I think you probably need to be. And, and that's, that's the bigger question. So I'm sure we'll get into that tonight.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So everybody hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. We're going to kind of put a bow on this uh, 2023 class. And we're going to do a little comparison. I know, Will Miles Rod, a lot of you up out there uh, this past weekend with uh, re- re- comparing uh, Billy Napier and Dan Mullen and the recruiting. Hey, look, numbers say it's not that different. Uh, and I hear you. W- will hears you as well. W- look, we know there's reasons why. We know there's different reasons. We know this is a whole different world of college football recruiting. Hey, Billy Napier just spoke on it today <laughs> as well. We know all that. But just looking at the numbers, that's all we can go by right now. And that's what we will go by. Uh just with the declaration, uh, at least from my side. Yes, I we, we I, I know there's some reasons out there, and it is different with NIL and the transfer portal and all that stuff. But on Saturdays, that's not really going to matter all that much. <laughs> so we have to look at, you know, what the talent is uh, coming into the University of Florida. But, well, yeah, you brought up that good point there. Um you know, of course, New Orleans Florida's at 14th, and we're not gonna, definitely not gonna penalize them for, for for you know moving down one spot in the grand scheme of things. Uh, and one reason, I mean, look at this. If you want to to to, to look at the rankings just a bit a bit here, um, where Florida was at at 13th. If you go look at USC, they're 12th. They got a score of 270 92. Penn State a score of 270 20. Florida 269 18. Texas A&M 268 90. I mean, there's four teams grouped in within two points of each other. Uh, So, you know, that lets you know just, uh, I mean, if Florida, um, you know, had had Jaden Rashad, I think. I'm trying to remember what I had put what that would have put Florida, but around they would have the, wound, s- t- wound up ninth but, or tenth.
0: They would have up ninth or tenth. Rashad actually fell yeah. a little bit in the rankings. Yeah, over the over the past four weeks, so they just updated it. Jakeem Jackson really took a jump up. Right. Kelby Collins took a jump up as well. Those guys were not top sixty recruits um, as of you know a month ago, and now those guys are both sitting there. I think I think Collins is like fortieth, and uh, Jackson Jackson's like fifty fifth. Those guys took a step up. So as much as people complain when Florida's guys go down, now you at least have to say, all right, a bunch of Florida's guys did take a step up in the overall in the overall rankings i think they probably end up ninth or tenth which again is whether that's good enough is in the eye of the beholder but uh you know it it was uh yeah i think what you just said there is actually really interesting right all those teams you listed are teams we think of as blue blood college football teams but when's the last time one of those teams you listed won a national championship auburn maybe back in what 2010 (laughs) like when when did auburn win? They played for one since then, but that's the last time they won it. And I think that's the story, right? Is you're, you're sitting there in that middle of the pack where you might be able to get lucky and and have a good year with a good quarterback and be one of those premier teams in college football, but for that year, but to do it consistently, yeah, this isn't going to be good enough. And look, the 2024 class is off to a really, really good start. I oh, um, yeah. obviously need to finish that off and, and need to keep it where it's at. Uh, but, you know, if you're grading Billy Napier the second year in, regardless of what the reasons are, I think, you know, we. I came into at least the the Napier era after National Signing Day last year, said he's still got a lot to prove. And my expectation is a top three class and anything less than a top five, I'm going to consider a failure. And so I look at this and I say, yeah, like I think that's accurate in terms of where Florida wants to be. This doesn't get them there. And it gets them in a position where they've got talent that's similar to what they've had previously, which means right. they're going to win games. But the problem is, is the game we really want to win is that one in October in Jacksonville and, uh, you know, the one in Atlanta in December. And I don't know that they took major steps forward with this class towards getting that accomplished.
1: Yeah, right. Again, we probably won't be able to say it enough. We know there are reasons that there are NIL transfer portal. We, We hear it. I know I agree with a lot of you there, but as we said, you know, the. What what's going to contribute to results on the field, and that's the players that actually come in to the class. So that's what we all, all can go by right now. Uh, and, look, and here is the difference. Um, I think if I go back and I put it there, this is what the offense was before. Uh, you know, when Jade Rashad was in the class, this is before Caden Jones. Caden Jones comes in today as a lone high school. Uh, signee for the Gators on this February national signing day. Uh, Florida averaged ninety-two point forty-one on offense uh, with Jaden Rashada in the class, and this was, you know, as Will said, they have been re-rated uh, a bit, but the average doesn't really change all that much. And then add, you know, take away Rashada, um, add Caden Jones there, so Aiden Mazel actually becomes the highest-rated recruit there for Florida. Uh, so you, know, you drop from ninety-two forty-one. That was the early signing day ratings and class for Florida, uh, and then now drops to 91-44 uh, on offense. So, uh, you know, that was the, that was the difference there. Uh, and besides the re-rankings and stuff that, that, that came out since early signing day, uh, Aiden Mazel was now the highest-rated offensive player there for the Gators, um, the wide receiver. Uh, so yeah, that was pretty much the change as far as high school recruiting goes. Um, well, I did look, you know, 24-7, they do have it where you can sort uh, 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 and add in the transfers in Florida's class with high school and transfers uh, comes in overall at 13th. And hey, we'll get to hear Billy Napier. <laughs> Let's talk about some of these—the uh, importance of the offensive line transfers, uh, the linebacker transfers, defensive line transfers. That's the ones uh, we'll highlight here on this episode of Gators Breakdown. There, but uh, as you said, Will, you know, we're putting a bow on it right here. Not not where we want it to be. We'll compare it. All, we'll compare it later. Uh, to the Billy Napier, Dan Mullen, uh, and, and you know, the article that you put out this week, but um, yeah, hopefully, as you mentioned, that that, that um, we'll turn the page from twenty three to twenty four coming up in the next in the next few weeks. Uh, but yeah, this is uh, plain and simple. No matter what the reasoning is, they got to get it figured out. It's got to get better.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, you're putting in a lot of caveats. I understand why you're putting in those caveats about things that are going on. But, you know, I've said this a few times is that when you take over as a CEO of a business, things change. So you take over a business in a booming economy and all of a sudden there's a recession, you're going to have to make adjustments. You take over in the middle of a recession and all of a sudden the economy starts booming, you're going to have to make adjustments. NIL, in my mind, is just there's something has changed in the economy of college football and if you're gonna sit behind it and you're not gonna take advantage of it and you're you're gonna fall behind, well, you know, you're gonna and I don't know that they're falling behind everybody, but they haven't they haven't used it as an advantage to get to where they need to get to. And and so look, I mean, Alabama's where Alabama's always been for the past decade. Georgia's right. where Georgia's always been for the past five or six years. Florida's where Florida's been for the past for the past decade at this point, right? And so Florida and hasn't seen, been bad. And we, and we
1: and we have seen what that is what what that translates to.
0: Well, it's interesting though, right? I mean, it's led to a bunch of 10-win seasons. There have been a couple of appearances, three appearances in the SEC championship game, but there have been zero SEC championships, zero playoff appearances, zero national championships, right? And so depending upon what your standard and your expectations are, but look, Napier came in and said, this is a talent acquisition business. His talent acquisition when you compare it to the different to the to the different players in the conference, when you compare it overall, when you compare it points, rankings, all those sorts of things, you know, it's behind the people he's trying to catch. That's just the reality. And so look, I mean, like you said. There are other things and extenuating circumstances out there, but just like when you're running a business, like you don't get paid $7 million to be the CEO of a business to go, well, conditions have changed. It's not like it used to be five years ago. It's like, no, you're being paid to adapt. You're being paid to change. You're being paid to be able to roll with those punches and be able to execute. And this class, full of very good players who are going to win Florida a bunch of games. But they're going to win Florida a bunch of games against the South Carolinas and the Kentuckys and the Vanderbilts of the world. I have my doubts about whether these guys – are going to be the drivers behind beating Georgia and Alabama. That doesn't mean it won't be contributors. And if Florida gets a really good quarterback, if Lagway comes in and all of a sudden is lighting it up, these guys are going to be a big part of those wins. Um, you know, you do need a baseline of talent, and Florida I think has yeah. even raised its base a little bit here. And obviously, with all the success the first three guys had, or the the first class with you know Etn and Shamar James and and, and those sorts of guys. Um, you start looking at that and say, well, maybe Napier is a better evaluator than Dan Mullen previously, and we're going to get more out of this class than we would before. But, uh, um, yeah, I mean, look, I, I think, again, last year at this time, I was saying top three or bust, and top five like minimum, and we're 14th. And yeah. that's the reality, and irrespective of what the reason is, that's the reality.
1: Right, that is the reality. I, I agree with that. So what the, the, the next step is you have to turn this top 10, top 20 talent roster – uh, once you start throwing in transfers into, of course, as well. You know, we're looking at high school here. We know the transfer portal is a, is a big part of this too, and can make a difference. But as I said, Florida's overall 13th there in the transfer portal uh, and combined uh, high school ranking. So what, what this means, Will, and I'm glad you said that for me is, as you said, you know, beat the South Carolinas of the world. You know, if if Billy Napier is coaching right, developing right, producing right, you know, Florida, as you said, should be on the on uh, on the cusp, uh, on the verge of winning 10 games and being a top 10, top 20 team. And hopefully that is the foundation for, as we have said, and as we all looked and uh, brought it to you over the weekend, getting a big commit with the Darius Hayes and looking at the start of this 24 class. Yeah, hopefully this class and the 22 class. Last year's class, our foundations uh, are set to, to be a launching point For Billy Napier and all the uh, everything that was the extenuating circumstances (laughs) for this class of 2023, and we'll get into it in just a second here with the Jade Rashada uh, talk there from Billy Napier that they figured all that they figure all this out. Uh, Will I'm glad you said you know maybe has raised the talent level a bit in this class. Uh, We'll we'll take a look at the numbers when you want to kind of go top 100, top 150, top 200, top 250 range. You know maybe the floor has been raised a bit, but as you said. We know where Florida ultimately wants to get and go. We as fans want to get there as well. There's one way to get there, and recruiting trail has to improve uh, a bit. And that's not to say, as you said, I, I, I like the players in this class. Maybe, maybe what it is, Will, I like the players in this class. There may just not be enough of them. I mean, if, if Florida's got 20, they had 25 with a lot of the same – quality that they have gotten here you know they're firmly in the top 10 so it's not that they don't have good players i think overall for me it's they just don't have enough of them
0: well i mean so that's the thing right is that if you bring in five-star guys those five-star guys turn out 60 70 80 percent of the time you bring in guys who are ranked 100th and those guys turn out 20 or 25 percent of the time so that doesn't say that the guy who's ranked 100th can't be a star In fact, Kyle Pitts, I think, was like 125th or something like that overall nationally, and he turns into just a transcendent player at the tight end position. What it means is is that you need a lot of those guys at the 100 level to get them to pan out as much as the guys who were the five stars. And that's all that's missing from this class. If he had three five stars to go along with everyone else in this class, one, it'd be a top five class, and two, we'd be singing his praises at turning around recruiting. The problem is those are the guys that you got to get, and and that there have been quite a few of them close by. So you think about guys like uh, like Samuel Mpemba. You think about guys like Cormani McLean. Think about guys like Derek LeBlanc and John Walker, who were both in the Kissimmee area. Keon Keeley and and Troy Bowles and Clay Whedon, who were in Tampa. You got Makari Vickers out in Tallahassee. Um, you, know, you got Victor Burley who was who was in Warner Robins Georgia relatively close you got Brandon Ennis and Hakeem Williams down in the Fort Lauderdale area there are a lot of guys who were you, Alaba-
1: you had you had that that Alabama duo you know Russell yeah, and Tony Smith, Mitchell and uh, Yeah and, right I mean they were as you said Florida was in for a lot of those guys and just just three of them would have made a heck of a difference in this class. <laughs> well, absolutely. But those three turned out to be really important. Yeah. right? Yeah. That's all
0: that's missing. The only thing that's missing from this class is the true top end. So if you go back and look at Urban Meyer's class and in 2006 and you take away Tim Tebow, Brandon Spikes, and um, and Percy Harvin, there's still a lot of good players in that class. But Florida ain't winning the national championship in 2006 <laughs> right. and Third certainly point. isn't winning it in 2008. Oh, yeah. Right? That's yeah, That's it. Right, So Great they got to find a way to execute to bring in the Samson Oak, and Lolas when they have an opportunity, to bring in the Kermani McLeans when they have an opportunity, to bring in the Desmond Rixes when they have the opportunity. They're going to have to find a way to close in order to close the gap, and that's just – it is what it is.
1: All right, everybody, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. Billy Napier uh, just spoke to the media that, uh, today. We knew that for National Signing Day. And, of course, we knew he was going to be peppered with NIL questions, Jaden Rashada questions. Um and so we'll get into that. He um spoke. Um uh, so you'll I'll read most of that and then we'll hear from him uh, on the transfer portal guys uh Graham, um some talk about Graham Mertz as well. Um about what he said about uh, about him too cuz we had our big episode a couple of weeks ago on Graham Mertz. So not going to go too too much further in that, but Billy Napier it does shed some light on their plan at quarterback. You've heard Will and I talk about it the last couple of weeks, what Florida can do uh, at the quarterback position. So we'll get into all that, but everybody hit that like button, hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so yet. Join Gators Breakdown Plus. The link is in the description. Doing a lot more chats over there uh, lately. You can ho- uh, host some chats. You can chat with me there, chat with me in the chat rooms uh, if you don't want to do a live uh, chat that we do there, but link is in the description to join Gators Breakdown Plus. Uh, there to keep the conversation going. So, Will, what Napier had to say on the Jade Rosada situation is, quote, I wish we could get into the specifics, but we're not allowed to, which, look, uh, th- that's pretty much what, <laughs> what I expected to hear uh, with, with this, that we were not going to get details uh, when it comes to this situation. Uh, Billy Napier did go on to say, I think the reality is the current structure of NIL with third parties being involved, with agents being involved, with marketing representatives, with lawyers, with collectives. It's very fluid, and I think it's a very unique dynamic. Um, This has created frustrations and issues. We're aware of that. We're playing a game we've never played. I think every college football coach would tell you they're frustrated, (laughs) and Napier goes on to say we're living in a fluid dynamic. There's a lot of good things about NIL, but I think the combination of NIL and the portal – Creates a dynamic. We're all aware of the issues, the parameters we're competing in at this point. I think as time goes, the market will settle down. He admits uh, later on with this that you know it's tricky. Will uh, when dealing with so many parties uh, that get involved in nil, very fluid, different management system in a game that's never been played before. Uh, But did go on to say that he still believes. NIL is a strength at Florida, Uh, and look, we do see uh, players still joining uh, the the Gator Collective out there. Mike uh, 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 Macuza uh, just recently joined the Gator Collective. The transfer comes in. Uh, Ricky Pearsall, Keon Zipper has been announced as well. Uh, Twelve more uh, guys are going to be announced soon uh, and talking with those guys. A big event coming up next week for a lot of football players uh, getting together for uh, an event. Uh, right before the Florida Vandy game. So uh, if you remember the Gator Collective or, or, or not, if you want to go see a whole bunch of uh, football players, um, Trevor Etienne, Kamari Wilson, Makuza, Caleb Douglas, Derek Wingo, Ricky Prisal, Zipper, Shamar James, Justice Boone, Austin Barber, Jaden Hill, Keenan Landry, Desmond Watson. More to be added there, but hey, uh, I know the narrative out there and how much they were thrown under the bus there, Will, but the Getty Collective is still kick, kicking on and uh, Billy Napier still... In, you know, and University of Florida still involved there, uh, but you know it's done a lot of good with the players on the roster. It's had a big part in keeping players in Gainesville uh, that we'd absolutely hate to see go. So he says on NIL, he's confident in the leadership, the strategy, the benefits so far uh, that they're going about it the right way. Says the outcome of the Rashada situation has had no issues with his current team or any other recruiting situations. So I thought that was uh, interesting. I'm glad uh, he was asked about that. Um, I'm not sure how truthful uh, (laughs) he would be there if there were some issues uh, about recruiting situations, but I haven't necessarily heard of any uh, behind the scenes uh, when it comes to recruiting there. So I know a lot, he was probably the first 10, 12 minutes of the press conference. Of course (laughs) was, was Billy Napier being thrown NIL and Jaden Rashada questions. Uh, But, we do learn you know, what they've dealt with this past year in NIL, kind of going to what we just discussed with you know, completing this class of 2023 and, and learning along the way as a new staff in the in this very fluid world uh, that he spoke of so much. So, we'll, look, we knew we weren't going to get details uh, of Jaden Rashad, University of Florida, Billy Napier, collectives, agents, lawyers, all that stuff uh, in, in, that, that comes along with it. I was interested, and you and I have spoken on this before, the part where Billy Napier says, "I think as time goes, the market will settle down. you know, so is this just a mark of hopeful wishfulness, maybe a little bit of patience i it's still unclear uh, and how long i guess that that's the question I, I I throw out there is how long do we have to wait for the market to settle down if it settles down for one thing and are you digging yourself a hole by waiting for the market to settle down? Or did you just have to play along as this crazy world goes you know, plays out?
0: It's not going to settle down. Like anybody who's taken a basic economics course realizes that supply and demand exist. And in the world of college football, you've got 35 star guys every year and Alabama wants seven of them. Georgia wants five of them. Ohio state wants four of them. And everyone else is sort of fighting for the table scraps. And so if Miami wants those guys, they're going to come in and they're going to, they're going to try to get them in the best way they can. And you're going to see the same thing at South Carolina and Auburn. And it's not going to get easier. We got Hugh freeze coming at Auburn. You got Brian Kelly at LSU. And you're still going to have the monsters there at Alabama and Georgia. You only got 30 guys. And these and these schools and collectives and all that sort of stuff are going to have budgets where they're bidding against each other. That's just the way it's going to work. Now, there's been some rumblings about the NCAA starting to get involved a little bit to try to settle things down. Maybe that happens, but then you still don't have an edge. See, this is the thing I don't get is Florida has the money. <laughs> like the, the issue isn't, I mean, I guess maybe the collective doesn't have the money. Maybe that was the problem with the Rashada deal. But but Florida, from the standpoint of like an infrastructure and the people who've been there and the boosters and those sorts of things should have the funds to be able to compete at a level within Alabama to Georgia. So then it's a sales job to convince those people to support these sorts of things so that you can bring those guys in. And, and, and getting them all um, on
1: the same page when, and, and wanting to do it.
0: Well, all that sort of stuff. But again, I I wrote an article a couple of weeks ago and it wasn't meant to be, it wasn't meant to throw anybody under the bus because I don't think it's right to throw any of these entities under the bus. Other than I do think that the job of the CEO of a company is to set a strategic vision for that company. And when you say the market's going to settle down, and I have a bunch of people took umbrage with me the other day when I said something on here about, you know, Billy Napier saying, we're not going to bid for players. And Mike comment to that was, when you say that, there is a subset of fans or boosters who look at that and go, yeah, I agree with that, which means I'm not going to give you money. And so when you say the market's going to settle down, you're now telling people it's not going to take funds. We don't need to fundraise at at this insane level. It's not an arms race, right? Let's wait for it to settle down and then we'll be prepared to, to spend what it takes, you know, to spend that lower amount when that comes. I I have my doubts that the market is going to settle down. It might settle down for players ranked... 70th and for players ranked 150th and for players ranked 300th because I think there's less I think there's more variability in performance at those levels but you know look I mean Cormani McLean has it's been a saga and obviously he's at Colorado now after he had after he'd spurned Florida to go to Miami and maybe that's a guy that you say you know for various reasons we don't want to get into a bidding war with that guy but there are plenty of people who are on the up and up who are very upstanding people and again I'm not saying McLean is and I'm just saying the fact that he's moved around indicates. That NIL has played a, an inordinate role, maybe in his recruitment. There are plenty of guys who committed to Alabama and stayed at Alabama and have decided to do that. And I, I don't, I don't for one second believe that's just because Nick Saban said, "Come here, we're not going to pay you, but come here." <laughs> I, I, th- I think that they have organizational leadership with a vision that says we want to be the best in order to be the best we have to raise funds to be able to have nil deals for our players and that message comes from the top down and that's the that's the only thing that i think is really missing in some of these comments like again you can say that but when you say that when you say the market's going to settle down people are going to wait to invest until the market settles down and you know, if you're saying we need to convince people they have to invest, then I'm not sure that's the best strategy. But again, I'm not the one in charge. I'm not the one who's the CEO. I'm not the executive, and the executive needs to decide. And you know, we'll evaluate.
1: Well, one thing too, uh, I'll go along with that. Maybe that's what's publicly said. Uh, <laughs> I know there's some things behind the scenes been going on, of trying to get everybody on the same page and and put everybody, uh, you know, the importance of nil moving forward uh, there. So I think you know that that is. Um, something that's going on, but I'm also in the, you know, prove me, show me mode. You know, all the talk is good. <laughs> so I think, uh, you know, we, we've been there before and, and we've heard things going in the right direction. Uh, so it's time to, it's time to see all that, you know, what, what we're hearing going on, you know, bear, bear, bear some fruit and, and get everybody excited there. And uh, all the, all the talk is good, but it's, you know, it's time to see some action uh, to go along with it. And I'll end up with this and what uh, Billy Napier had to say, um, quote, I think you spend your entire life, your entire career trying to establish who you are and how you operate. I think ultimately I can lay my head down at night based off of that. Ultimately, the good thing he- here is I have a lot of confidence with our leadership strategy uh, that we're deploying, how we're benefiting our team, the group of players we have on our team. I think we're going about it the right way. So Billy Napier there. Um, you know taking care of the locker room uh, the University of Florida the current player is very very well taken care of uh, at, at Florida when it comes to NIO and you know, the, I think culture uh, Billy Napier's there is building and hopefully now all this stuff can get paired together uh, and take Florida there to the next step so uh, was asked Billy Napier about Graham Mertz, uh, the transfer quarterback. Um, and he shed some light, Will. T- he talked to Paul Christ, which you hope he would, <laughs> of course, uh, being there uh, with Graham Mertz, uh, the Wisconsin transfer, talked to former head coach Paul Christ and others at Wisconsin that had rave reviews uh, for Graham Mertz and, quote, proving his work ethic um, right now at his time at Florida. Uh, quote, Napier had to say today, he's proven his work ethic as players, staff, as uh Talk to him, um, and is doing everything right as far as strength and conditioning, nutrition, the training room, the field study, uh, and well, I've been asking around uh, so around some more people, and there is a big belief uh, that the Wisconsin offense did not do him any favors. Something that we talked about a couple of weeks ago, uh, and you know that does to see does seem to be a growing uh, theme around Graham Mertz, the quarterback for, from Wisconsin, and maybe why he can be unlocked here at Florida. Um, You know, that, that can be true that the Wisconsin offense held him back. That doesn't automatically mean he's going to come here and do it and do a whole lot better. So we just got to see how that one plays out, but um, not much to say there that we haven't really already discussed with with Billy Napier having to talk about Graham Mertz, but it, it does hear Billy Napier hearing all the good things behind the scenes of what Graham Mertz is doing with the team. I've heard, um, it's been shared that he is going through and getting a rapport with the receivers, working the receivers like he should, like a quarterback should coming in, really diving into the playbook. Uh, here he can get the offense, really gets the offense, can explain uh, what's going on on the field. But now, you know, we just got to wait and see when spring rolls around. And we'll get into that in just a second about other, other quarterbacks. But not sure, Will, if, uh, what Napier said about Mertz. It wasn't much there that really caught your ear.
0: No, I mean look, I think the fact that he had evaluated him back when he was in high school that he understood how he was rated when he came out, why he was rated, the fact that he's a tall guy, you don't really think about that when you when you when you look at him on film like and maybe that's just cuz you know, Wisconsin always has a bunch of big guys on the offensive line. He doesn't. He doesn't strike me as some giant guy <laughs> on film. Anthony Richardson struck me as big, right when you saw him behind the line. You don't see that. At least I, it doesn't strike me like that with Mertz. This is a show me, right? This is a y- you've you've. I mean, if Mertz ends up starting next year, Billy Napier has bet a lot of goodwill from from the fan base on a guy who was relatively unsuccessful at Wisconsin, and so if they're able to turn him around and he puts up a QB rating in the 170 range and he throws for 35 touchdowns and five interceptions and you know he's leading Florida to a bunch of wins you know, then, hey, that's a big, big feather in the cap of O'Hara, the quarterback coach or the quarterback analyst and Napier is an offensive coordinator and all the stuff that's going on. If he puts up a QB rating of 140 after he's basically got a career QB rating of 130, I'm not really going to be that impressed. right? That's the, <laughs> like that's kind of my expectation. My expectation is that the Wisconsin offense maybe shaves 5 or 10 points off of his QB rating, not that it shaves 50. Yeah. So if there's an increase in 50, I don't think we blame that on the Wisconsin offense. I think we take that to Napier was able to identify a person who fit in his system and teach him to operate within his system. And then kudos, right? Tip, tip your hat to him and say, next time he brings in a guy that's got a track record that's not ideal, we'll look at it and say, hey, we should trust him because he, he seems to know what he's doing. We'll see, right? This is a show me one. We're not going to know, even even in the spring practice, we won't know. Um, you know, I, I looked at Anthony Richardson's spring practice tape and went, woo, he's going to be good. And yeah. lo and behold, about half the time, he was excellent. And then the other half, it was a complete dumpster fire. <laughs> so, so, yeah, and that's
1: the good point you brought up that, that has come in my head. We we do give a lot of credit for Billy Napier and the transfers he brought in. Uh, but a lot of those transfers, I think we kind of had an inclination that they were going to be good, especially Osiris Torrance. But there was, you know, a. Now, the, the biggest question would be would it translate from the Sun Belt with him and Montreal Johnson into the SEC? And it did. Uh, Ricky Pierce, you know, there was a little bit of production there that we could see that he could be a good receiver at at, at Florida. Uh, but you know the two Louisiana transfers as well. I mean, I think you know we we saw something there that hey yeah these there was enough production to think these guys were going to be good. So that that is something you know that's kind of different. The, the transfers on offense last year uh, were a bit different, with a bit more bro- proven production, a bit more success than Graham Mertz when you can com- when you compare the positions in and the like. So this would be his first maybe turnaround transfer. To bring in like this and and do something better that you know ha- hadn't been done before with that with that player.
0: Yeah, the only problem is is that he also brought in a quarterback last year that he had uh, that he had scouted pretty heavily when he was in Louisiana yep. and knew exactly who he wanted to target and and brought in Jack Miller from Ohio State who wasn't as highly rated as Mertz coming out of high school but also didn't have three years worth of tape telling you what he was in in college either and Miller. You know, look, I, I think we were all underwhelmed with Oregon State, but at the same time, <laughs> there was a lot of things that were underwhelming about that game. And I think Miller probably deserves a better chance than that. But I, I was underwhelmed at the spring game too, watching Miller. Right. It was pretty clear that Anthony Richardson was the better player, at least at that point in in, in the season for those two guys. So, you know, again, I, I think, yes, cautiously optimistic that they were able to identify the guy early, get him in, and that he's the guy they've targeted all year long, and that's exactly who they wanted. Um but, you know, to and yes, they've hit on other transfers as well. But quarterback's the most important position, and the one transfer they brought in I wouldn't call a hit, at least not at this point. And so, uh, you know, but that's part of it. you got to bring in multiple guys. That's one of the things we started off talking about is these guys are are lottery tickets in a way in terms of how often they're going to turn out, which is why you want 25, 26, 27 guys in a recruiting class. And and luckily the transfer portal allows you to sort of supplement that these days, and so Florida's been able to do that.
1: Uh, speaking of that too – uh, at the quarterback position, uh, Gators have just three scholarship quarterbacks right now, Will. You and I have discussed this just a bit, but hey, Billy Napier kind of extends the thought that we have been discussing. He says the Gators would definitely be in the market for <laughs> in the spring for another quarterback. Uh, quote, I think if there's a I think if there's a, presents an opportunity, there's a player that passes a valuation. We certainly would be in the market for another player there. Uh, we'd like to definitely have four scholarship players uh, napier said when asked about the ideal number um we do intend to add a preferred walk on as well in the room to give us five players for the spring uh and next year and really feel good about the situation so all those guys will be able to um you know go through the entire offseason program there at, at florida um when you um you, ha- you have the guys now going through spring. You only got three. You hope to bring another one guy, another guy in to go through fall camp. Uh, but what we're looking for, Will, here is you know, maybe in- anticipating getting another player here in the May 1st through May 15th transfer portal window. There's another two-week window uh, that will come in in May after all these schools out there have played in their spring games. You're going to have some guys and probably some highly ranked guys that think they're going to have a better shot. Maybe you can go win a job in the spring, not win that job. So I'm eager to see will the quality that is out there. Napier says they got to pass an evaluation, uh, uh, but I'm, I'm really eager to see the, evalu- the 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 quality of player at the quarterback position that is going to be available after you know these the 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 month and a half that spring practice is going to be all around the country.
0: I think a lot of it's going to have to do with the evaluation of the quarterbacks on the roster (laughs) during (laughs) spring practice. I think if they look at it and go, Oh crap, like, (laughs) you know, they'll go out and they'll grab somebody who we all are, you know, potentially grab someone who we're all like, yeah, that's kind of underwhelming, but, okay, that tells us something about the quarterback room. Um, if they're comfortable with the guys that they've got, if Max Brown takes a step forward, if if uh, if Miller takes a step forward to where he's a solid, solid backup to uh, to Mertz, then, okay, like, you know, it, you're not going to go out and go after a guy who's highly, highly, highly touted. Now, I think it's good that he's out there saying, we're going to have an opening, because that's sort of telling the whole public, right? That's telling anybody who's, in a quarterback battle, hey, think about reaching out to us if if your battle's not going in the direction you want, and we'll tell you whether you got a spot and that sort of stuff, right? So I think in some ways the messaging there is right because you're a lot, you know. Let's say that a guy like Grayson McCall, after spring practice, decided he wanted to transfer. That's a guy you go, okay, yeah. Like I think, I, assuming he qualifies and assuming he meets your evals and all that sort of stuff, that's a guy with a profile that we would all get very very excited about. Um, so, you know, whether or not McCall is a guy who will be available, I have no idea, but if guys of his ilk are available, yeah, absolutely. You're going to kick the tires on that. Right. And, you know, a few years ago when Joe Burrow lost the job to Dwayne Haskins, um, you know, he ends up transferring obviously turned out very well for LSU and turned out well for Ohio state too. Haskins ends up as a first round draft pick and Ohio state had a really, really good year. So those guys are going to be available. And, uh, you know, I think that's one of the benefits to bring in a guy like Mertz is that, one, he probably he's not going to be threatened. And two, I don't know that he's good enough to go just immediately transfer in the spring if he doesn't like his situation. You know, you get the one transfer without any sort of penalty. And so you can't, like, Mertz isn't going to be able to leave. So you'll have a guy who's a backup for a year, even if, uh, if you bring in somebody better.
1: Uh, well, one thing I hate when Florida has a basketball game on National Signing Day because we always have to do an episode that night. But hey, Gators, big upset win over Tennessee. 67 54 over number two vaults. So there we go.
0: Hey, there you go. So, yeah. so hopefully we'll avoid the, uh, <laughs> the Mike white, um, the, the Mike white pitfall and, Lose to some crappy team
1: in, in three no, schedule's, days. Schedule's pretty tough for the I think, next two games as well. So it's like it was a
0: four game stress Start with that Kansas yeah. State game against Keontae, right. against Keontae Johnson the other day. So um, good, that's awesome. I you know I think we're all like that's the thing is I think people look at me and think I'm negative about this and and in some ways I am because I'm looking at it and I'm disappointed because <laughs> I want it to be better. Same thing with Golden. I want Golden to do a good job and I want Florida to have a good team. And part of that though is knowing where you sit. Right, and so people who get upset, the guy like Graham Mertz is the starter of the room. I get it, because you look at his profile and you go, "Eh, like, really?" That's what we're sticking with. And and it's also it's interesting because Napier says he wants five guys in the quarterback room. His entire p- roster plan got upended with Rashada leaving. Like we yeah. we can talk yeah. about strategically whether there were things he could have done to set that stuff up better. But once you get a guy's commitment and once he signs his letter of intent. Like, your plan is in place, and now you got to adjust to your plan. So to sit there and look at the quarterback room and go, well, you know, he wants five and he's only got three. Well, he was supposed to have four. And, uh, you know, so that might have changed the plan as well. So it doesn't surprise me that he's saying, hey, we're open for business. Because they are. They were expecting to have an extra extra body in there, and they just don't have it right now, and they're going to have to make an adjustment.
1: All right. So something to look out for uh, as we go through spring, and then uh, after spring, May 1st through May 15th, that second portal uh, window there for the Gators. So something, so something to keep an eye on, maybe some other positions as well, but definitely uh, after speaking with Billy Napier today, quarterback uh, may be on the, another quarterback, maybe on the horizon. So uh, we'll get to actually hear from Billy Napier about a lot of these transfers coming in uh, to the Gators. But before we get there, hey, the big game is coming up. And at my bookie, you asked for it, they listen. My bookie designed a unique deposit bonus that lets you cash in and cash out quick. This is a unique deposit bonus for sports bettors who want to focus on what to bet and not pay out sweat. Make your first deposit today. Promo code Gators. Wager your deposit amount once and you're eligible to cash out. If you want a sports book that gives you the most for your money, bet on the big game with my bookie. Pre-game, live lines, Super Bowl props. Bet everything from the opening coin toss, the length of the national anthem, to the color of the Gatorade dumped on the winning coach. I can't tell you who's going to win the Super Bowl, but I can tell you where you should place your bets. And that's at my bookie. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. Well, there's some uh, interesting prop bets there, or you want, you want to get in there. Color Gatorade. I, I like,
0: I like. I like I like picking the score, the exact score. Then it's fun to bet because it's like, hey, five bucks will win me fifty five hundred dollars, <laughs> and you're never right. And you know, but that's sort of the fun of it is is you got something to to root for.
1: I mean, come on, dude, the, the color of the Gatorade that one's that was interesting. I mean I I, I mean, I I don't know. <laughs> that one, that was going to be easy to figure out, I would think. I don't
0: know. Just guess orange, man. It's always orange.
1: <laughs> like like. How late can you put that bet in? I wonder. Like, can you see what color Gatorade they're drinking, like in the first quarter, and then go put the bet in?
0: <laughs> well, you probably got a bet on which team. They probably have probably have equal, like they have different colors on each side. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure that Vegas wins no matter what, <laughs> right? Because fifty hey. percent of the people will be wrong.
1: Hey, those uh those beautiful hotels there don't get built for uh nothing. They 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 know what they're doing. They know. Yeah, what they're Whenever doing there. whenever I go there, it's like oh I got the wrong business. <laughs> All right, let's hear from uh, Billy Napier uh, on the offensive line uh, and, and, and these uh, guys coming into the transfer portal.
2: It's probably one of the areas where I think we did the best work. You know, when you think about, um, you know, the traits there, we got some experienced players, but I also think some of the young players that we added have um, significant height, length, functional movement, um, bright futures, you know, in particular, Damian George has been, you know, essentially a backup for two and a half seasons at a very um, good program. Keontae Goodwin, obviously a h- highly regarded player coming out. Um, I do think that Micah Mazzucca is has uh, been a very productive player in the past. Um, and then obviously Caden, you know, we had Caden in camp, so we had an opportunity to, you know, work with him at six, seven and a half. You know, he's got a 36 arm I mean it's probably the longest arm we've measured since we've been doing it so and really a young man too guy that I think he's got you know he's going to continue to grow so you know big long right some experience um, and ultimately a couple of these guys Mazuka's three for three uh, Damian George is three for three Keontae's four for three um, you know you've got some players that you know not only are ready uh, to contribute, but also have a number of years left eligibility-wise.
1: Like what he said there, Will, is something that you pointed out, too. Where you're, they're getting guys who have some time to play, but also the experience there uh, along the offensive line. But he talked about the size there. I mean, George comes in 6'6", six, six, 372. Good one six seven three seventy-two. 372. I mean, if there's one thing Billy Napier has done on the offensive line, that is has put some size uh, uh, up there uh, for, for, for the Gators. And and 6'5", 322 at a guard spot. Um, and you know, Florida did send out a bio uh, with the signing class today, and Mazzucco, just one more time, 10 games last season started for Baylor at left guard. He was a number two offensive guard in the Big 12 and the number 42 overall guard by Pro Football Focus, posted a run block grade of 78.5 for their 22nd best among guards and 15th best in the conference. Will, another good stat here. Kind of similar to one Osiris Torrance, but allowed only one sack and 367 pass protection snaps in 2022. So, uh, hey, sounds good for Billy Napier. We know they needed it. And for him to come in and say, hey, this is, we identified this as one of our best spots. We did some of our best work here at offensive line, and they had to. I mean, this was one they had to, and they got bodies and experienced bodies, quality, and uh, just, you know, getting. Going out there and really identifying Mazuka, going and getting him one of the top offensive linemen, linemen targets out there at a big position of need for the Gators to kind of just continue what Osiris Torrance was able to do for the Gators.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, look, we, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but uh, Mazuka obviously is a plug and play. You've got Eguacan at center, who's been playing now for almost three years. You've got Richie Leonard out there at guard, who's got some experience. You've got William Harad at tackle, who's got some experience. You got Barber, who is the starting right tackle by the end of the year. You've got George, who's coming in now as well, who's backed up at at uh, at at Alabama, and then you got Goodwin, who's sort of a high high ceiling type yep. player who if you can fi- if you can figure out how to make him your left tackle and if he can be a stalwart left tackle well now all of a sudden george is sort of the roving tackle and and barber is there maybe one of those guys slides inside which means you got mazuka left guard egokan at center and all of a sudden you got a really strong offensive line so the fact that they've got some high-end potential and then the fact that they've got guys who've already played at a high level i think is significant right it's not just if they brought in three guys who were similar to goodwin i'd be like this is a real boomer bust opportunity (laughs) here right Right. like hey guys who have really good profiles but not a whole lot of experience that's not what they've done it's sort of it's like tears right they got a guy who's got a lot of power five experience at the guard position they got a guy who's been a backup but has a pretty good profile not a great profile but a pretty good profile at tackle so somebody who's going to be able to play at tackle in the sec you know that right he probably he George may not be a elite tackle but he's going to be able to play. And then you got a guy like Goodwin who doesn't have really any SEC experience at all, but that guy has the potential to be an elite tackle. And so sort of spanning the 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 outcomes there I think is a is a very positive outcome coming out of the transfer portal for Napier.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we'll keep it going on Billy Napier and him speaking today. This time, defensive line and linebacker.
2: Cameron Jackson at 6'6", 353. You know, Caleb Blanks is um, six, five and three quarters. I think he was 318 today. So height, length, um, and really good tape, you know, when given an opportunity to play. Cameron in particular um, had really good film. So, you know, I think Caleb has impressed us so far. Um, Again, three for three, uh, two for two, you know, so players that not just have one year but multiple years of eligibility left linebackers uh, would you talk about them plus the fact that that only gives you ten are you still in the market will you still be in the market for more linebackers in the portal in the spring you know inside backer in particular I think we've met our need there Um, you know really excited about Taraja Um, you know six one and a half he weighs 240 pounds this guy was voted team captain at Ohio State He's a one-year player but I think with the departure of um, you know Ventrell and Bernie and Wingo's injury you know I thought that early addition was a big deal certainly from a leadership standpoint maturity standpoint uh, played in some big games and certainly um, you know injured this year or would have had a bigger role at Ohio State I do think um, you know Deuce Spurlock's a guy that we tried to recruit a year ago um we had a really good relationship with him and his family early on in the recruiting process going all the way back to louisiana um you know and a six foot and a half um you know 225 pounds a really athletic player four years to play um and then manny nunnerly obviously was you know two years ago was a national special teams player of the year six one and a half 225 pound guy who from a testing perspective already one of the more athletic kids on our team. So I think we did ourselves right there uh, to go along with, you know, Jaden Robinson, who's here early, weighed 225 pounds this morning. So, um, you know, we, that group is in good shape. You know, I think on the edge maybe is where um, potentially could add another player.
1: Well, so we talked about maybe going to get a quarterback out there. Billy Napier just ended that right there at outside linebacker going out there and getting another player. And man, I haven't really, it has crossed my mind a bit, but hearing the head coach say it, but man, he's hes so right. I mean, if you start looking at what they would call the outside backer, who do you have? Antoine Powell-Ryland? Jack Pyburn? True freshman TJ Searcy? Are you stretching maybe somebody else out there? But right now, those are the Three, I'm probably looking at there. You know, you lost Lloyd Summerall all uh, from the roster to the transfer portal. He was, you know, somebody who's been in the program. Maybe would have fit in there uh, a, as well. But you know, him saying they got to go out there and identify another outside linebacker, I was like, yeah, he's right because that's three guys right there that I can think of playing that role. And they do need some more depth. That so would, you know, behind Powell Ryland, who are you counting on?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, that—that that is the question, right? I mean, you start looking at it, and Paul Ryland played a lot of snaps last year. That's good because yeah. hes he's got the experience. I think Pyburn's going to have to step up. He's been in the program for a year now. They're going to need him to step up. But you know, when you think about last year, you think about the lack of sacks that they got. Hmm. Brenton Cox obviously wasn't able to win a ton of one-on-one battles. Paul Ryland and human Yil- Melan won maybe more one-on-one battles than Cox did, but still weren't getting to the quarterback consistently like the way John Grenard and Jabari Zuniga were years ago um and so yeah obviously that's a place you need to you need to need to build into it i mean look taraja mitchell manny nunnery uh shamar james Derek Wingo, those four guys, you're going to feel comfortable rotating those guys in at linebacker. You're going to feel comfortable with the competition that you have, right? That if if Wingo screws something up or James screws something up, you're not just going to have to throw him back out there, kind of like they did last year. I think the fact that Shamar James got a lot of snaps last year is probably very, very important for the 2023 Gators because he's going to be a guy who, you know, you might think about using him at that edge, right? And put it, he's he's smaller, but he's quicker. And do you put somebody out there, you know, a couple of years ago, um you know Ma- mohamud diabate when he came mm-hmm. as a true freshman they lined him up essentially at what what amounts to the edge yeah. in patrick tony's defense and he was able to do a really nice job there coming off the edge i think we'll i think we'll be surprised that's one of those positions where especially when you get into pass rush situations you right. can put somebody who's a little bit smaller there if they have a quick first step and you can have someone playing on the outside mm-hmm. um you know, and, and I think that's one of the things with Powell Ryland is he's not somebody who's going to be able to drop into coverage, at least not at least last year he struggled in that role when they decided to run those simulated pressures and run him off into coverage. If you have a guy like, say, Jaden Robinson who shows pass rush skills and flashes those sorts of things, well, now on third down, you can maybe put him out at the edge, have him be a pass rusher, or if you decide you want to run a simulated pressure from there, a guy like Robinson will be used to playing in coverage from his linebacker position. Same thing with Shamar James, same thing with Scooby Williams. So they're going to find a way to be able to manipulate that depending upon what they need to do, but, but yeah, the edge position is a place where you look at it and say, um, you know, there's three guys on the roster in that position, there's... You and know, I
1: hear, uh, Will, before you move on, early returns, pretty pretty good for one T.J. Searcy. Like, I'm hearing some really good things about you know, of course it's early on, there's not pads all that kind of stuff, but the early returns of what they're asking the players to do now, T.J. Searcy is one guy that's standing out.
0: Good, he's gonna get to play.
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> so come sounds on, great. Free game, spring game. I'm ready. Sounds we go. great. So, yeah, so, um, yeah, I, I agree with you. They may, yeah, you'll be looking some at some other players that they're currently on the roster, but it does look like you know, transfer portal that may be an option there for the Gators. Hey, just a couple more uh stats to, to throw at you there from what Florida sent out. Do uh, Jaden Robinson, we'll, we'll go with him. Um, well, just to add to it, 94 tackles, three interceptions, for, one forced fumble, one sack a senior year. I mean, 94 tackles for Jaden Robinson this past year uh, there at Lake City, Columbia, right down the road uh, here in Jacksonville. Uh, Deuce Spurlock, um, Florida sent this too in a single game. Uh, of course, he was a true freshman from Michigan this past year, uh, so not too far removed from high school. Maybe show some of the potential here, and you know why Michigan and like like programs like Michigan and Florida are after him. I know he only a three star here, but some big programs going after Spurlock in a single game during his senior season. Will twenty one tackles, uh, including six for loss, three sacks <laughs> in, in, in that one. Now get this: his senior year. Now this is solo and assisted, so that number can get kind of sketchy, but still hundred and eighty six. Total tackles <laughs> for Spurlock, twenty-seven for loss, eight sacks, two pass breakups, forced fumble. Uh, also played offense, uh, had a fifty-yard touchdown catch uh, in the postseason in twenty twenty-one to do Spurlock. So I know he was uh, he he came on late in that cycle, uh, ended up at Michigan. But you heard Billy Napier say uh, right there in the pre- in the press conference, it was somebody they identified as well, uh, and now ends up getting him. Uh, anyway, through the transfer portal. Uh, and then one more, we're we'll, we'll bringing up Manny Nunnery, of course, to transfer from Houston. 34 games at Houston, eight starts, 75 total tackles, uh, 45 solo. He had three tackles for loss, three blocks, two pass breakups, finished fifth on the team uh, at Houston with 46 tackles. Uh, and you heard Billy Napier, you heard Will and I discuss it too. Special teams aficionado right here for, for Nunnery. I expect him to be on special teams. Blocked two punts and three kicks in 2021 uh, to earn the national special teams player of the year award Had six tackles, two block punts and a game to earn AAC special teams player of the week. Uh, one point in his career as well. So a nunnery is probably somebody to expect to see. And, hey, look, Billy Napier also saying that uh, he's one already through some early testing. will you heard him say his athletic ability uh, really, really stands out right now. Maybe he's somebody <laughs> that can be that outside, maybe lining up with that outside linebacker role, uh, but some, crazy, crazy stats there. I just got, I couldn't hide it. I had to share those stats Some some pretty stats that kind of stand out when you start looking at the class of 2023.
0: I'm just glad to hear we're going to have a guy on special teams. He knows what he's doing. So that, that's, <laughs> that's like the, uh, that was music to my ears, man. It's we're going to have a guy who can block kicks and, and uh, you know, the the running back that they're bringing in the transfer um, he he's, he's going to be able to contribute on special teams as well um, from Tulane. I think it was right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, you know uh, the special teams hopefully are a strength in 2023 because they weren't in 2022 and and just having Nunnery there even if he doesn't contribute on the defense if he can contribute on special teams it's a it's a significant pickup for the Gators.
1: Yeah, I was trying to see um, did they have anything on Carol? Yeah, most of everything that we went over there, but um, 2020 Pro Football Focus uh, All ACC First Team selection. Uh, There was Carroll, the Tulane running back, Uh, speaking of the transfer portal here. Uh, So uh, one more, since Will brought him up, 40 career games at Tulane. He had 10 starts, Uh, total career numbers of 1,638 rushing yards, 19 rushing scores for an average of 5.3 yards per rush in his career, caught 23 passes for 247 yards, five scores for the Green Wave, Uh, posted 12 rushing touchdowns tied for 13th in the FBS uh, and sat 14th in total touchdowns with 13 in 2020. So uh, seven multi-touchdown games, four scores, including four scores, three rushing, one receiving in a game. Uh, so yeah, there you go. Kim Carroll, uh, another addition through the transfer portal for the Gators. And yeah, good to hear from Billy Napier for the first time since the early signing day press conference. And I know one everybody was kind of waiting on with the Rashada saga, kinda uh, kinda of, kind of going through the last few weeks. Uh but yeah. what I definitely knew we weren't gonna get much there, Will, uh when it came to that. So uh right, we'll we'll wrap it up here. Going the comparison that uh, you threw out uh, over the over the weekend, I believe it was, and lit let lit, lit Twitter world on fire. Let lit lit, lit, lit lit a lot of people on fire. Uh I I guess. But uh, you know the the comparisons of of one Billy Napier's recruiting so far uh, to the guy who replaces Dan Mullen.
0: Yeah, it was interesting. I had said something just sort of depressed after, uh, <laughs> after Rashada left that this was a Dan Mullen class and a bunch of people took me to task for it. And I was like, well, it's not quite a Dan Mullen class, but what about the first two years? If you start looking at those first two years... Is it a Dan Mullen class? Turns out Dan Mullen actually did a better job of recruiting his first two years than uh, the Bill Napier has. Actually, the uh, the Napier ranking should be up to ninety point four six now uh, because they did readjust some of the uh, some of okay. the commits. And but any, anyway, I mean, look, Napier wins in twenty four seven rank. He wins in national rank. He wins in conference rank. He wins in top one hundred players eight to four. He wins in players between ranked between 100 to 300. Five stars, they had the same. Mullen had more commits. And so then, obviously, the natural criticism is, well, there were a bunch of guys who didn't qualify and a bunch of guys who left early and all that sort of stuff. So then I took out one Black, Davey Hammond, Wardrick Wilson, Jalen Jones, and Chris Steele from that 2019 class. And... Mullen still wins <laughs> on average player rating, national rank, conference rank, top 100s. They actually tie for players 101 to 300, and then Mullen just had one less commit. So what this really says is a Billy Napier can't have any attrition because if he does, numbers are going to get really, really tight. Um, it says that look, Dan Mullen used the transfer portal too. I mean, you think about Van Jefferson, mm-hmm. you think about Trevon Grimes, you think about uh, Jonathan Bernard, you think about yeah. Adam Schuler, um, you know, and even the last year he was there, the the defensive tackles that they brought in. So you know, look. I mean Napier or Mullen actually hit on the transfer report when you think about it. I mean, Trevon Grimes was productive early on. He, yeah. Even though he was a. Uh, uh, you know undrafted free agent van jefferson was a second round draft pick adam Schuler was very productive Mm -hmm. john Grenard was a third round draft pick brenton cox probably gonna be a fifth round draft pick um so and and was was a contributor for florida not a star but a contributor so you know mullen had quite a bit of success in the transfer portal as well so that's really what we got to be thinking about right i mean obviously Osiris Torrance is going to be a first round selection we'll see what happens with montrell johnson um you know obviously the guys we've all talked about mazuka and banks and and goodwin and those sorts of guys we'll see what comes up of those guys, they bring in the transfer portal, but on a on a numbers basis, you know, the criticism of Mullen was, yeah, well, he boosted up all of his conference rankings and his player rankings and things like that by having guys who didn't qualify. One, it doesn't really change his twenty four seven rank all that much, and even if you subtract the five guys from that class who who didn't make it from that two thousand nineteen class who never made it to fall fall practice you're still looking at something where Mullen has more total talent in the door than Billy Napier did. This, it, it is what it is, man. Like we can talk about evaluations and, you know, I hope that Billy Napier is a better talent eva-
1: evaluator than Dan Mullen. While but you're just on that, tur- go ahead, Will, but what, if you're going to go a lot further, go ahead. It, stop there though. Cause I do want to, that's the next point I was going to make. So go ahead.
0: Well, I was just going to say, you can, you can make that point, but, on a raw numbers basis, the yeah. the talent level after after the first two years, like Napier's are distributed differently. He had a worse transition class and a better uh, better bump class. Mullen had basically the same ratings two years in a row, but you're you're in the same place regardless.
1: So let's go through the eighteen and nineteen classes, will. That's uh, we did that on Gators Breakdown Plus not long ago, and it was it was I had a lot of fun with it. Um, 19, not great at all <laughs> when you throw in the attrition and um, you know who's contributed uh, there for for, uh, for those classes. I'm trying to get this graphic down. Um, I forgot where I was at for a second. There we go. Um, so going to the 18 class, it was led by one Jacob Copeland. Okay, didn't finish his career at Florida. Serviceable player at University of Florida reached a Garage. Really good offensive lineman there for the Gators. So that was a 2nd rate player in 18 in Dan Mullen's transition class, his first class. Uh, the 3rd rate player in that class, Will, won Emory Jones. Uh, did not live up to the um, recruiting profile for him. Ends up transferring to Arizona State. Uh, and then the fourth ranked player in that class never played a down for Florida. One wide receiver, Justin Watkins, um, late grab there by Dan Mullen uh, to, to put in that 18 class. Never played uh, a down for Florida. Um, Let you know just how wrong they can be sometimes. The fifth ranked player in that class won Kyle Pitts. <laughs> it's a uh, big get, of course. Uh, and a lot of the groundwork. You know, this is one of those ones that the transition class. The big difference here is. Dan Mullen didn't go all, all nuke on the class like Billy Napier did when he come in and basically nuked uh, Dan Mullen's work uh, and then built, the cl- built a lot of the class uh, from, from, from the ground up. And then you know, Billy Na- or Dan Mullen comes in. A lot, of, a lot of the work done by one Jim McElwain uh, for a lot of these players. Uh, after Kyle Pitts and Mario Burney uh, played every year in his Gator career, had a really good senior year uh, to, to go out the right way. Uh, Trey Dean. Was in that class as well. Um, Contributor for all those years as well, but didn't really live up to the potential. Damian Pierce, uh, big time. Should have been involved more. Um, No fault of his. uh, There, Dan Mullen, just not using him uh, enough. Lucas Kroll uh, was the next guy in line. Some big plays for the Gators in uh, 2018. Then Andrew Chatfield never did much for Florida. Uh, Linebacker David Reese. Um, transferred out this past year for the Gators, didn't do much. Malik Langham didn't do much for the Gators there. Iverson Clement didn't do much. Noah Banks, nope. John Huggins, nope. Chris Blyke, nope. Uh, Unfortunately, Randy Russell, uh, not a contributor either from the 2018 class. Uh, Dante Zanders moved around a whole bit. He was in that 2018 class as well, uh, playing tight end this past year for the Gators. Griffin McDowell, not much. Uh, Then the last player, but only because he was a kicker, Will, Cannot test the, the value here of one kicker Evan McPherson uh there for the Gators. Hey, he's a better pro than he was a Gator though. So
0: <laughs> nah, he was a good player for Florida. At he least was. at least he won't get in trouble for
1: celebrating during the halftime show this year during the Super Bowl. So. <laughs> but there's the 2018 class. That, the top of it, Copeland Garage. Um you had it's Emory Jones, funny. Justin Watkins, Kyle Pitts, Amari Bernie, Trey Dean, Damian Pierce. You know, that's the top of the class. And then after that, so that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. The top eight, besides Justin Watkins, had some big, big roles at Florida. So eight guys in that in, in that 2018 class, nine if you count McPherson. You know, that you'd say good players or major contributors for the Gators.
0: Yeah, I mean the 18 class actually for Dan Mullen isn't the reason he got fired. Correct, the 19 class is the reason there he got go. fired. Yep. And honestly, you you only need to look at the blue chips to understand why 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 that is. So, like you mentioned, out of the out of the first one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight guys in that 2018 class, seven of them wound up starting significant games. Yeah. One of them turned into a star. I would almost call Garage a star because he started almost 30 games at left tackle. I I I I completely agree with you. And then Watkins washes out, right? So if we look at the 2022 blue chips in the transition class for Napier, now you've got Kamari Wilson, Shamar James who started significant already. I think you can highlight him. McClellan who was a backup ETN who was a backup kind of in the same same mold as Pierce. So we'll see where that goes. Then you got Devin Moore who got injured, but was playing relatively early. Tony Livingston and Jamari Lyons who didn't really play at all. So Livingston
1: and Livingston now counts in this class, by the way, the 23 class, however, you know, that works. So, so,
0: so the point is, is that you look at that and there were only seven or eight blue chips. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven blue chips in that 2022 class. So, in order to replicate what, what Mullen got out of that 2018 class, he's not going to be able to miss on any of those guys, right. or somebody down below that is going to have to step into a role that you may not have expected and that we haven't seen based on the freshman year at this point. Doesn't mean it can't happen; just means that yeah. you know hasn't happened yet. I think it's the same thing. You look at that 2019 class. Obviously, Chris Steele is the one that you go, <laughs> oh, what a mess. Kind of reminds you of the Jaden Rashad yeah. yep. Then you got Kyrie Elam, who turned into a star, right? And here's where it starts to get bad for Mullen. Chris Bogle not a whole lot right backup at best tyron hopper played starter minutes but transferred out before he re- really made a difference keon zipper has sort of been a career backup diabate played starters minutes but transfers out and and seemed out of place lloyd summerall still on the roster hasn't really played all that much naquan well, tra- right he, tra- he transferred out oh well, he transferred out so yep. Na- naquan right um you know still uh you know obviously he's transferred as well, but he was a starter at some point. Jalen Humphreys didn't really pr- contribute that much. Michael Tarquin, um, you know contributed some at tackle, but was never like a stalwart. Then you got Jalen Jones, who never made it to to fall practice. You got Jadon Hill, who obviously the the injury has has set him back a little bit, but played starters and then William Harrod. Um, who again back up on the offensive line. So mm-hmm. I've got one star and one, two, three, four, five starters out of that twenty nineteen class. So so Mullen got more stars and more starters out of his 18 class than he did his 19 <laughs> class, that bump class. That's why things fell apart last year. And uh that and the quarterback play, obviously, because he couldn't get what he needed out of Richardson and out of Emory Jones
1: in, in 2021. So look, and there mostly are a ton- Yeah, and mostly didn't hit on the three stars either. I mean, Chester Kimbrough not a contributor. Deontay Mark's not a contributor. Riley Simon's not a contributor. Jamarcus Weston hasn't done much. Kingsley Aguaken, the one of the best ones so far. Desire Pierre, no, non-contributor. Trent Whittemore, uh, somewhat contributor, but now he ends up transferring out of the program. Ethan White, a lot of starts the, the last few years there uh, at offensive line. So, you know, only a couple three-stars that played above their level, I'd say, I'd say in Ethan White and, um uh and, you know, if you, and Kingsley, uh, of course they're starting along the offensive line. and then as we said, the attrition of you know the one black ends up in the ends up at gator, but not in the 2019 class. Uh, DeAve Hammond, nope Wardrick Wilson, nope <laughs> didn't even uh, come out uh, uh, you know didn't even show up uh, for a play uh, for Florida. So yeah, it's the 2019 class that really that, that really did him in.
0: Well, so here, here's, if you want to know whether Napier's a better evaluator and whether his methods work better, this is the exercise, right? Two years from now, that so Mullen had 13 starters out of his 26 blue chips. Three of those guys were stars. You aren't getting anywhere in the SEC with three stars. <laughs> like three guys who turn into elite players in two recruiting classes just isn't going to be good enough. Three all-SEC players. Is going to get you middle of the pack performance, and that's what it's going to get you. You need Bill wrote Bill Sykes wrote a really nice article for Read Reaction about a year ago talking about needing about eight All SEC players on your roster mm-hmm. in order to compete for the SEC championship. So that's what needs to happen, right? Now, Napier has twenty four total blue chips in his first two in his first two classes, but only seven in that first class. So he's got seventeen here in the second class. He's going to need a hit rate of more than. 13 really to say he's a better evaluator than the Napier to be starters a couple of years from now. And he needs more than three stars. And that's going to be the question, right? Does Kelby Collins turn into a star? Does Aiden Mizell turn into a star? Does Jakeem Jackson turn into a star? Does Will Norman turn into a star? And if he just has a bunch of good starters, Florida will win a bunch of games, but they're not going to win the SEC. And, and that's the story of, of this recruiting class. It's my evaluation of this recruiting class. It's, it's why it bothers me that it's sitting at the 13th and 14th spot, is I think there's going to be a lot of good starters who come out of this class. I'm highly doubtful that they're going to get more than four or five all SEC guys out of this, even if Napier is an unbelievable evaluator. And four all SEC guys in a season is going to be a ten win sort of like a Tennessee season from last year, where we get excited, but we don't actually win anything at the end of the day. And and you know that's not necessarily what we signed up for.
1: Yeah, I'll take that one in the next two years though. And then oh. then and then you better use it as a launching point.
0: <laughs> well, so again, if, if you get four stars out of these two classes and DJ Lagway turns into an absolute stud, at quarterback and Miles Graham comes in and is just hitting people like crazy at the linebacker position and you add three or four more guys of that ilk in the 2024 class, then certainly you can start to, uh, start to build into that. So, look, I'm not ready to give up on Billy Napier, but I think we have to be honest about where we are. Where we are, exactly. You can't, exactly. You you can't get out of the woods – even if you have a map, if you don't, if you don't know where you are on the map, and so all this is is looking at the rankings and say, this is where we are on the map. Now, you know what's the route out? Well, the route out is they're going to have to convert a lot of these guys into either really, really solid starters. I mean, look, if they end up with twenty of their twenty-four blue chips being starters, well, now you add a couple of elite guys from the twenty-twenty-four class, and the and the team is ready to compete for an SEC championship. But you're going to have to hit at an inordinate rate. <laughs> at mm-hmm. least compared to your predecessor in order to get that done. And that's just the reality.
1: Well, so just looking ahead a bit, this is a 24 class and the start that he's on. You said Dan Mullen kind of fired for his 2019 class. Holy. I just looked at it while you, while we were discussing a little bit, the 2020 class isn't any better. The 2020 class was. Oh, I mean, I didn't realize it was this bad until looking at it again. So Jervon Dexter, he's on his way to the NFL. Uh, but he didn't live up to his five star status. He didn't. He didn't play at that level. And now, could there be some reasons why? Did he not have enough help around him? Was he playing out of position? Okay, and that could be true because Florida didn't recruit well enough around him. I, 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 I'll I'll say that uh, that 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 absolutely could be the case. But he didn't play like a five star in his career at Florida. Derek Wingo, we're still waiting on him to break through. He's national. He was a 64th ranked player in that 2020 class. And you're looking right now if you're watching YouTube, kind of comparing a bit uh, the top three players in the 20 class was ranked 12th, 64th, and 68. Um, top three for the 24 class are already better than that. And, you know, comparing the three classes here, uh, Dan Mullen's third class to Billy Napier third class. Uh, Lagway, Graham, Hayes is better than Dexter, Wingo, Xavier Henderson. Uh, so
0: hopefully, hopefully that the continues.
1: Fun-
0: the, the funny part is you got Chauncey Bowens at 278. And on this list, you sort of look at that and then go, well, that's not very good. And it's just because it's so much worse than the other three guys who are in there. Chauncey Bones is a really good player who's yeah. who's ranked who's ranked pretty highly for for these sorts of things. Getting right? courted by Georgia right
1: now, so yeah, I expect him to.
0: Absolutely. The other thing I think that's interesting here is the 24 seven and the on three rankings that you're showing are yeah. essentially identical. Pretty and nice. that's important. That's really important because one of the things that you see and one of the reasons why there's so much variability once you get down to like 60, 70, 80, 90, 100th ranked guys is you'll have one recruiting service that'll rank him at, say, 60 and you'll have another one that'll rank him at 150. And so the average puts him in like that 90 range or something like that. And what that means is they're trying to project what the guy's going to turn into at the next level. And that's actually, honestly, that's why a guy like Aiden Mizell might turn out to be a star because there's probably, you know, and Mizell may not be the best example, but somewhere in there in those guys with Mizell, Jakeem Jackson, Roderick Kearney and Cameron James, Will Norman are guys that, Some services are high on and some services are not just because because there's a lot of variability and there isn't any here. Lagway is 24th and 21st. Graham is 30th and 36th. Hayes is 61st and 55th. That means that the services are really are, are, uh, are in lockstep that that's kind of where these guys belong to be, that belong, that they're elite guys when it comes to this 2024 class.
1: Yeah. And maybe I should preface that a little. So that's the 24 seven sports composite, which puts in, all the services on three consensus. That's what this is as well. So they all, they both are taking the averages, but they weigh, I think 24, 24, seven sports composite weighs theirs a little bit more in the Mm. average. And on three, I think weigh all four equally through 24, seven on three ESPN and rivals. So they're probably going to be pretty close. Will, but that's a good point. I maybe should, should just start putting 24, seven soul rankings and on three soul rankings. So we do see that that variance because putting the composite and the consensus they're the way they use all four, they are going to be pretty close.
0: Yeah. You tripped me up. You use the average. Yeah, that, so so yeah. that was my fault. That was my fault. But my point still stands that when you go look at DJ yes, Lagway, there's there is there is pretty con- there's a pretty decent consensus that Lagway is a five star candidate. When it's when you're looking at Miles Graham, the consensus is he's right on that four star five star border. Um, at Adarius Hayes, I haven't really looked at, but the point stands right that that these guys are rated to be elite recruits that they're going to turn into. We expect them to turn into elite players at a much higher rate. And look. Again, this comes back to evaluation, right? If they did a better job of evaluating their 2023 class than Mullen did with his... Well, then all of a sudden, you're going to end up with, say, 15 of those blue chips turning into solid contributors or starters. If Lagway turns into a star, Graham turns into a star, and Hayes turns into like an above average linebacker, well, now all of a sudden in 2024, you've got a class that's, uh, you know, you've got a program that's moving in the right direction. So, look, I'm not giving up on Billy Napier, but I'm also not going to pull wool over people's eyes. And the reality is, is that people are like, look at all this talent that Napier's bringing in. It's like, you know, Jaden Rashada is like I'd love to have him here and I wish things had worked out and the NIL fiasco is annoying, but that's not the issue. Whether Rashada was in this class or not, you would compare it to Mullen's first two years and say we're about in the same spot. And you know, look, it's it's okay to be in that spot as long as you keep building. And it looks like the program is continuing to build with this 2024 class, but they're going to have to fill it out. And I said this after last year's signing day, I said, there are questions, right? There was an opportunity to bring in Harold Perkins. He was down to Florida and LSU. And Perkins turned into an absolute stud for LSU last year. And it killed me every time I watched LSU mm-hmm. when he was chasing people around. I'm sitting there going, wow, it'd be really nice to have that guy as our edge rusher right now. Like we were just talking about that. Like, who do we have at edge? If Harold Perkins was coming into yeah. his true sophomore year as an edge rusher, we'd feel a lot better about that spot. And Jacoby do, Matthews. Do just, would
1: be at the press conference today saying, hey, that's, that's the position we need to attack.
0: <laughs> right. And, and so, you know, same thing with, uh, you know, with any position, right? That, that, uh, you know, and and so coming out of National Signing Day, there were questions, right? And coming out of this signing day, there are still questions. And you know, the solution is pretty clear. I mean, Napier knows it. It's a talent acquisition business. He's acquired a bunch of talent. He hasn't acquired. Surefire can't miss talent yet. Looks like he's doing that for 2024. But you know, look, our expectations. People keep saying, "Will you need to be patient? You need to be patient with Napier." And I'm sitting here saying, "I'm warning you. I'm telling you, you have to be patient
1: because right. That's,
0: because yes. the talent level is the yeah. same. If if you expect." Billy Napier to have a giant turnaround like Urban Meyer did, or a giant jump like Urban Meyer did from 2005 to 2006, I think you're going to be disappointed. Like you are looking at a three or four year build to a place where Florida can compete consistently. Um, now it's going to require more jumps in recruiting Correct. to get to where we want to get to. But if, you know, look, most coaches get three years. And if you want to see this through and you want to be patient, then let's be honest with ourselves. Say, this is where we are. This is what we need to see to to say things are heading in the right direction. And then next year, we'll have either the same conversation, and at that point, we'll kind of know what we are. Or next year, we'll be talking about a class that's averaging a 94-player rating and is fourth in the country and you know that that we stole or not stole but we took a bunch of guys that Alabama and, and Georgia wanted and that you know Kirby Smart starting to accuse us of throwing money around like Saban mm-hmm. did for uh <laughs> for uh, Jimbo Fisher and, and all that sort of stuff right and I'll be here for it and I will love it but until that happens this is what it is and and you know it's it's disappointing. Like, I, I I, don't think there's any – I can't sugarcoat it. I came into it – if Billy Napier had gotten everybody he wanted within a 150-mile radius of the University of Florida from the state of Florida, he would have had a top three class. He would have had three five-stars. He would have had, like, 21 blue chips. It would have been – we would have been singing his praises, and he wouldn't have had to leave the state. And so, uh, you know, the state is leaky, and he's going to have to fix that. And uh, you know, considering that Norvell isn't really recruiting all that well, should give him an opportunity to do that. But it, it's going to require some changes. And like you said, I think I think they're mulling those sorts of things. I think they're starting to to make those sorts of sorts of changes. And they better because, like I said, I don't think that the market's going to going to slow down too much. At least not for guys of um, you know the five star ilk when it comes to that 2024 class.
1: So looking at the 24 class, that would be Billy Napier's third class. To leave everybody with this, I'm going to go through Dan Mullen's third class. Look, the comparisons are always going to be there. Um, this class was not that good. This class ended up ranked seventh in the country. It did not turn out that way. Jervon Dexter, as I mentioned, was the top of that class. Derek Wingo, Xavier Henderson, Jahiri Rogers, Jaquavion Frazier's, Isaiah Walker, Ethan Pouncey, Antoine Powell, Anthony Richardson, Prince of Eumamie Ellen, Josh Braun, Kamaru Wilcoxon, Rashad Torrance, Avery Helm, Mordecai McDaniel, Lamar Goods, Jalen Lee, Finley Graham, Travez Johnson, Gerald Mincy, Jonathan Odom, Richie Leonard, Jeremy Crawshaw, Johnny Brown, and then a slew of transfers. But that's the high school level right there. Well, that's a bunch of guys not even on this team right now. Not good enough. No, it wasn't good enough, right? And so, again, I
0: think I think that's the question. So the hope is – This was
1: a class three three cycles ago. And yeah, a lot of well, these guys aren't even on the roster anymore.
0: Well, so the hope and, – and this is the thing, right? Is Mullins' four recruiting classes, the average player rating was 90.75, 90.67, 90.74, 90.51. Like, his transition class was actually pretty good, but it never improved. Napier's gone from 88.9 to 92.0. And so if he, he go, if he goes up to ninety three point seven next year, we're going to be pleased. If he sits at ninety two, it ain't gonna be good enough, and that's just the reality. So, you know, if it plateaus from here on out, we'll be looking for a new coach three or four years from now. If it continues to grow, then Napier's going to be successful because he will have proven that he can do that slow build and and build that with the culture that he's looking for. And so, you know. I, I, again, I'm not saying he's doomed after this class. I'm just saying there are some things we need to pay attention to. And 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 you know, if your expectation is is that Florida is going to be this juggernaut that's taking on Alabama and Georgia in the next couple of years, like I'm hopeful that we'll we'll snipe them a couple yeah, of times in the right. next couple of years. But we're going to be an underdog every time we go in there, and it's going to probably take somebody like DJ Lagway to change
1: that. All right. Well. That uh, average right now will for that twenty four class ninety six point oh four. So hey, let's 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 make it stay there. <laughs> yeah, keep it there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there. Uh, my computer I think is kind of freezing up a little bit too. But uh, we were about to call it for an episode. What, what you got coming up on read reaction?
0: I have no idea.
1: We're busy okay. working
0: on our preseason magazine. So, so uh, there you go. Yeah, you know, so everything's slowed down a little bit. I'm trying to put out something every weekend, so uh, so right. hopefully I'll find something. I'm actually starting to delve into the film a little bit, and um, I'm thinking about putting out some shorts that actually try to teach some stuff about Napier's offense. So we'll see right. whether I get to that because those those will be kind of cool. I enjoy that. I, the The recruiting is interesting, but it is the same refrain over and over and over again. Yeah. I get it, and so uh, you know, breaking down the film and talking about what's going on actually on the field, I think is hopefully more interesting to people. So hopefully we'll get to that next week or so.
1: All right, Gators start spring practice March the 5th, so uh, not much longer there, about a little over a month for the Gators start um, that. And, of course, the news of uh, another Thursday spring game. So, uh, uh, oh, well. so uh, i will not be going (laughs) there you go that's the uh, thought from a lot of people uh not that they don't want to they just can't go on a thursday night so
0: i gotta fly down man like that's three days of vacation to to to, to go to a game that normally i would have flown in on a friday and and gone to the game and maybe would have flown down with my kid and caught a baseball game and a basketball game while i was down there too and um you know, fly in on a Friday, leave on a Sunday. You got to take a day or two off, something like that. But the Thursday just throws a kink and all that sort of stuff. And, um, yeah. To be honest, I'd rather come down for a for a big time game on a, on a Saturday night than <laughs> than right. I would for for this if it requires that. And I th- I know a lot of people feel that way. And look, hopefully, what that means is that uh, you know people who are local who maybe wouldn't have made it out will go out there and support those guys. And and certainly because of SEC Network, um. You know, and and the different television stuff, I'm sure there's advantages there and some advantages in recruiting. So, hey, let's take advantage of it, right? We got this Thursday spring game. It's supposed to give us an advantage on TV, an advantage in recruiting. And if we see it next year, I will say nothing.
1: There we go. There we go. I think uh, somebody did the work out there for me. I I forgot who it was, but it's like 46 or or 50% of the players that are in this 23 class were at that last Thursday night spring game. So we'll see. We'll see what it means. So. All right, Will Miles, you can find him at readreaction.com, YouTube, readreaction, on Twitter, at Will Miles, SEC. I'm the host of Gator's Breakdown, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter, at GatorDave underscore SEC. Everybody hit that like button, hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so already. And that'll do it for this episode of Gator's Breakdown.